Fantastic. Um, at this point, we are uh, going to look at the Bible together. So I'm just going to invite Lara to come to speak to us. Um, Lara, can I pray for you? Let's pray. Father God, thank you for, for Lara. Thank you for um, this passage of scripture that you uh, have um, given her this morning, Lord, that, that uh, what you've spoken to her through it and, and brought out of it. And Lord, we pray that you'll, we pray for, for each of us, Lord, that you'll have, give us ears to hear what it is that you want to say to us this morning. Help us to, uh, to, to, to really hear your voice through what Lara says this morning. Amen. Good morning. Good morning. As Deb said, it's been a very difficult week uh, for our community. You know, we know um, that the grief and the heartbreak and the pain that um, has been felt has been felt by so many people. Um, I think it's, you know, it's fairly understandable uh, at times like this that we can feel a little bit despairing and even maybe a little bit hopeless um, in, in light of all that's happened. Um, so this morning, as we continue to unpack the Gospel of John, uh, it's perhaps quite fitting that our Bible reading actually is taking us to the entrance of a grave surrounded by weeping, and mourning. And yet, in the midst of this sorrow and this grief, we witness one of Jesus's most amazing signs, a sign that shows us who he is and who God is. It's a sign that not only demonstrates his unsurpassable power, but also his incomparable love for us. And it shows us that even in the darkest of times, there is hope. So we're going to read our passage in a minute. It's a fairly chunky passage, but I wanted to read all of it. Um, and then we're going to spend a little bit of time thinking about it together. So this morning, I have asked uh, Sophie is going to come up and read to us. Um, and the words will appear on the screen at the same time. Thanks, Sophie. Now a man named Lazarus was sick. He was from Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister, Martha. This Mary, whose brother Lazarus now lay sick, was the same one who poured perfume on the Lord and wiped his feet with her hair. So the sisters sent word to Jesus, Lord, the one you love is sick. When he heard this, Jesus said, this sickness will not end in death. No, it's for God's glory, so that God's Son may be glorified through it. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed where he was two more days. And then he said to his disciples, let us go back to Judea. On his arrival, Jesus found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. Now Bethany was less than two miles from Jerusalem. And many Jews had come to Martha and Mary to comfort them in the loss of their brother. When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him. 
but Mary stayed at home. Lord, Martha said to Jesus, if you had been here, my brother would not have died, but I know that even now God will give you whatever you ask. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha answered, I know he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? Yes, Lord, she replied. I believe that you are the Messiah, the Son of God, who is to come into the world. After she said this, she went back and called her sister Mary aside. The teacher is here, she said, and is asking for you. When Mary heard this, she got up quickly and went to him. Now Jesus had not yet entered the village, but was still at the place where Martha had met him. When the Jews who had been with Mary in the house comforting her noticed how quickly she got up and went out, they followed her, supposing she was going to the tomb to mourn there. When Mary reached the place where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet and said, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who had come along with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in spirit and troubled. Where have you laid him? He asked. Come and see, Lord, they replied. Jesus wept. Then the Jews said, see how he loved him. But some of them said, could not he who opened the eyes of the blind man have kept this man from dying? Jesus, once more deeply moved, came to the tomb. It was a cave with a stone laid across the entrance. Take away the stone, he said. But Lord, said Martha, the sister of the dead man, by this time there is a bad odour, for he has been there for four days. Then Jesus said, Did I not tell you that if you believe you will see the glory of God? So they took away the stone. Then Jesus looked up and said, Father, I thank you for that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I said this for the benefit of the people standing here, that they may believe that you sent me. When he said this, Jesus called in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The dead man came out, his hands and feet wrapped with strips of linen and a cloth around his face. Jesus said to them, take off the grave clothes and let him go. Therefore, many of the Jews who had come to visit Mary and had seen what Jesus did, believed in him. Brilliant. Thank you, Sophie. Fantastic. So there is a lot in this passage, and I'm not going to touch on everything this morning, but I'm just going to pull out a few things for us to reflect on and think about today. Now, I've often wondered why um, Jesus waited so long before going to Bethany. And some of what he says in this passage, if you read the whole thing, uh, it's quite confusing in places. But he must have had a reason for doing and saying the things that he did. And I think the reason is love. As we look at this passage just a little bit more, I think we're going to see three ways that Jesus displays his love for both his audience then and for us today too. You know, John tells us 
that Jesus receives this news that Lazarus, the brother of Mary and Martha, and one of Jesus' closest friends, is unwell. But by the time Jesus reaches their hometown of Bethany, Lazarus has been dead and buried for four days. Yet Mary and Martha are understandably completely distraught and confused as to why Jesus didn't come sooner. They had sent word to Jesus, you know, basically requesting that he comes and heals their brother, just as they, as they had, would have seen him heal so many other people. But the Bible says that Jesus stayed where he was for two more days. He seemed in no hurry to get to Bethany. You know, the Bible also tells us that Jesus loved Mary and Martha. So why the wait? Why didn't he rush to the side um, of, of his, these sisters to heal their brother? Why did they have to go through this tragedy? You know, we might ask the same question that some of the bystanders at the grave asked. Couldn't the one who opened the eyes of the blind have kept this man from dying? You know, why wasn't he with the sisters in their hour of crisis? And I wonder how many of us have thought the same thing. Oh, Lord, where were you when I needed you? Why haven't you answered my cries for help? Now, I'm sure I'm not the only one who has prayed earnestly for something for weeks, for months, even maybe years, seemingly without any response from God. How did Jesus' waiting show his love for Mary and Martha? How does God's seeming lack of hurry to work in our lives show his love for us? Well, Jesus waits intentionally because he knows that Lazarus's sickness and death were, as it says, nope, doesn't say, <laughs> there we go, as it says, um, were for God's glory so that God's son may be glorified through it. His deliberate waiting would result in a far greater miracle, far greater glory to God than had he simply healed Lazarus. Lazarus's resurrection produced a far more intense joy and blessing for his family than any other action could. God is seldom in a hurry. And there's something about waiting for him to respond to us in his own time, on his schedule, that's really instructive, even though it can be incredibly hard and incredibly painful at times. You know, while we're waiting, God is trying to speak to us, to teach us something. And ultimately, I think that he is teaching us to seek him and to rely on him to meet our needs and not to rely on human resources. But we can be certain that even when we can't see it, God is at work in our lives. You know, as hard as it can be to do, I think that when we trust God completely, trust in his love completely, and therefore wait for him to act in every circumstance, whether good or bad, 
it gives us an opportunity to receive God's blessing in a completely new way. Psalm 40 says this, it says, I waited patiently for the Lord. He turned to me and heard my cry. He lifted me out of the slimy pit, out of the mud and mire, and set my feet on a rock. He gave me a firm place to stand. You know, it reminds us that often blessings cannot be received until we go through the trial of waiting. So, although it might seem like a little bit of a paradox... I think the first way we see Jesus' love for us in this passage is it's displayed in his waiting. Waiting for us to turn to him and to completely trust in him. Now you may have spotted that both the sisters said exactly the same thing to Jesus when they met him. Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But Jesus responds to them in completely different ways. To Martha, he almost argues with her. He pushes back against her despair. He says, I am here. I am the resurrection and the life. Don't despair, Martha. You know, he responds with this ministry of truth, if you like. He who is life will restore life. But with Mary, he responds completely differently. He gives her, if you like, the ministry of tears. He enters into her grief with her. He feels her sorrow and he feels her pain. And he is beside himself with sadness. He bursts into tears and all he can say is, where is he? You know, John shows us both of these responses because he wants us to know that Jesus is both God and human. He is 100% God and he's 100% human. When Jesus says, I am the resurrection and the life, he's reminding us that he's God. He's reminding us of his deity. He's reminding us that he has the ultimate power and authority over death. Yet when he responds to Mary, he's showing us that he's fully human. He reveals his vulnerability and his humanness to us when he reaches Lazarus's tomb and he weeps with his friends. You know, as confusing as it might be to get your head around Jesus being both fully human and fully man, this is the Jesus we need to know. The reality is that we all need both the ministry of tears and the ministry of truth in our lives. But there are times when we will need more of one than the other. And this week has definitely been a week when we have needed Jesus to weep with us, when we've needed Jesus as our wonderful counsellor. Yet without the ministry of truth, that Jesus is the resurrection and the life, we can be left in this place of despair and seeming hopelessness. You know, Jesus wept because he loved. His tears flow out of this deep affection for Mary and Martha. A sympathy with their grief. You know, I think there are times when we can sometimes feel that God is really distant and removed from our heartaches and our suffering. We may have heard people describe God as, you know, impassive and uncaring. 
a God who floats above it all in this serene, isolated perfection. But that's absolutely not the God of the Bible. It's not our God. It's not the God who's fully revealed in the person of Jesus. John is showing us that Christ is no stoic, untouched by human pain. He's not cold. He's not indifferent or unfeeling. As Jesus stood there with it, thinking of his friends, both the living and the dead, he grieved with genuine tears. You know, this is how the crowd of onlookers saw it. See how he loved him, they remarked. Our faith attaches us to a person. Jesus identifies with us. We've read it earlier in our prayer, but the Bible reminds us that the Lord is near to the broken-hearted. He cares and saves for the crushed in spirit. You know, we see in this passage that God's primary emotion is love. He loves us and he sympathizes with us. He grieves with us. Our sorrows are not meaningless. Our cries don't just echo into the emptiness of space, but they touch the very heart of God. And if you've been grieving this week of because of all that's happened, let's remember that God is grieving with us. You must never be afraid to reveal our true feelings before him. He understands them because he's experienced them himself. Yeah, but we also see a second emotion here in Jesus' reaction. It's revealed in the phrase that we read twice. It says, Jesus was deeply moved. Now, our English translations of this phrase don't do justice just to express the strength or nature of Jesus' reaction. Our translations say deeply moved or deep anger or greatly disturbed. But the original language is much stronger and more specific. John chose a word that in Greek actually describes the snorting of horses during battle. Jesus' body was literally seized by a sort of convulsion. His feelings in the presence of death were so strong that they caused a physical response, a kind of shuddering or groaning. He literally is bellowing in anger. Jesus is outraged over death. His response is one of indignation, revulsion, and disgust. He hated death. He loathed it with an intensity that made him shake and tremble. Death is the enemy, the last enemy. It's the consequence of sin and all of God's hatred for sin. God feels towards the bitter fruit of sin, death. Jesus weeps for the fact that these people were grieving seemingly with little hope, not trusting in the resurrection, not trusting in him. So the second way we see this event show that Jesus loves us is in his weeping. He weeps for our current circumstances, but also for our eternal fate. So we've seen Jesus wait, we've seen him weep, and then we see him work. Jesus' broken heart compels him into action. He approaches his Lazarus' grave and he commands the people to open the seal stone entrance. He's unfazed and he's unstopped by the stench of death. 
and the reluctance of the mourners to do what he asks. And Jesus begins by praying, and it's a slightly unusual prayer. It's a prayer celebrating the unity of Jesus and our God. It's a thanksgiving for the perfect communion and understanding between the Father and the Son. And it's offered, as Jesus himself says, so that people, um, the onlooking crowd, uh, can begin to understand who Jesus is and recognize that through the raising of Lazarus, his authority and power to give eternal life to all who believe. And Jesus cries out in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. And indeed, he comes out. He comes out of the tomb, bound in burial linens, but unbound in that death no longer holds him. The voice that commanded the winds and the waves to be still, the bread and the fish to multiply, deaf ears to hear and blind eyes to see, commands dead flesh to live and it does it obeys it must obey the jesus we see here is more than just a revelation of god's heart or an expression of his sympathy and love for grieving people it's also a demonstration of his power over evil and over our final enemy death itself this is a preview of what we can look forward to ourselves If we know and love Jesus, someday we're going to have just the same encounter with him. And this astonishing event, and ultimately the message of Jesus in the gospel, shows us that death does not have to be deadly. It can be a doorway to life. This is the story of Easter, that eternity in heaven is available for all who personally trust in Jesus Christ. So, even at a graveside, in the middle of pain and grief, Jesus shows us that he loves us by waiting, he loves us by weeping, and he loves us by working so that we can believe him and receive him into our lives. Jesus said to Martha, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live, even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. And then he added a final question. Do you believe this? And it's a question for all of us. Do we believe this? And if we do, it means that we can live our lives here on earth, rooted and fixed in this eternal reality that one day we will be with Jesus in our resurrected bodies, where Jesus will wipe every tear from our eyes, and there will be no more death, no more mourning, no more crying or pain. Let's pray. Lord, thank you that you are with us always, that you walk every step with us. Thank you that you're weeping with us in our sorrow and our pain. That you don't stand on the sidelines or in the wings, but you are very much at the center stage with us in the midst of all we go through. Thank you that you are the resurrection and the life. Help us to trust in the hope that this truth gives us. To trust in your goodness, in your redemptive power. 
in your sovereignty and in your incomparable love for us. Amen.